Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Pat's Interference. This is year three, episode 18. Uh, nice little quick Alabama episode today. Uh, Bama had the week off last week, so Patrick and I took the week off as well. But we are back giving you our recap of the Tennessee game. I'll give you my take from sitting up in the upper deck. Brick will give you his take from sitting on the couch. Uh, watching it at home, and then we'll look forward to LSU and discuss the playoff rankings a little bit. A little, little shake-up there, uh, a little bit of motivation possibly. We'll talk about that and so much more. This is Pat's Interference. What is good, everybody? We are back from our bye week Alabama off. We were off as well, so we are back with episode 18 of Pat's Interference, going to preview the LSU game, going to talk Tennessee as well. Yeah, they played Tennessee two weeks ago, so we're going to get into that. I'm host number one, Patrick Brickman. I'm host number two, uh, Patrick Norwood. Brick, I was at the Tennessee game. Uh, quite you definitely a, were. Quite a good time. Quite a good time. Perfect weather. Perfect company. Uh, always, How was it? Always good to be back in Sweet Home. No, it was great. It was great. It was flyover for the National Anthem, really set the tone for the rest of the game. Because Alabama went screaming past Tennessee. Uh, you know, uh, great game. Great game. Um, atmospheres, everything I remember it to be. And, you know, the only thing that's really changed a ton are the buildings and landscape of the university itself. They still yeah, play. that's changed a lot, hasn't it's, it? It's ridiculous. The uh, TV station where you and I used to work together is now Don't classrooms. even recognize it. Classic. Don't even recognize it anymore. It was it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, and then the game, of course, was the game. Um, you know, nothing nothing too impressive about what you'd expect uh, from a team who's played what uh, eight games without a bye. Um, you know, so it, it, there was some uh, I'd say some fatigue, uh, not only physically but mentally as well. Kind of led. Uh, to some of the plays that were a little disappointing on the Alabama side. Uh, you know, and Tennessee, obviously, is just a disappointment, period. So their whole game was <laughs> disappointing lightly. for them. Uh, one thing that you noticed, and let's just dive right into it, if you don't mind. Uh, one thing you noticed was Alabama taking their starters out very early. What do you think was behind that decision, and uh, do you agree with it? Well, you know, it, it felt early. It might have felt early. Um because Alabama was up 28 nothing when it happened, and usually the, the deficit's a little bigger then. But Nick Saban has said before that when he does it, it's usually after the fir- first possession of the third quarter. And I think it was right in that time frame. I think Jalen Hurts came out for one possession in the third. I don't remember what happened on it, but uh, you know, right right after that, Tua and, the, and, and Najee Harris and the gang were in. Um, so it felt a little early. You know, four-touchdown lead is a four-touchdown lead, and and obviously, uh, you know, Tennessee really had no shot of coming back at that point anyway. So, you know, I'm not against what they did. In fact, I'm sort of for it. Um, the only problem I have with taking the starters out is is my prediction at the preseason of Jalen Hurts making it to New York. I didn't take into the fact that he was only going to play uh, like Half. three or four yeah. full games of the season. Half of every game. Yeah, no, it was uh... – you know he had he had a uh, probably one of the worst games he's had all season, and I I don't know if we'll see him. I hope we don't see him play that badly again. Uh, you know a lot of passes were dropped on Calvin Ridley's end as well, and that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. There wasn't a lot of fatigue on the field physically; it was mentally. Um, you know, obviously Calvin Ridley got shaken up a little bit uh, in the back of the end zone from everything that I've seen. Uh, that should be all sorted out uh, by Saturday when Alabama plays LSU. But uh, Tua Tagovailoa obviously throwing the, uh, the the pick six was just embarrassing. It was just bad. 
It was just it was pretty, bad. It was pretty weird. Yeah, it was a pretty strange moment in that game um, when he threw the pick six. And, and you know, he's he's going to make mistakes like that even when he eventually takes over as a starter, um, uh, whatever that may happen in the next couple of years. Sure. But here's one thing of this game that, that you know, because I remember you and I were just kind of – we were annoyed at one part. We do that all the time, by the way. We get annoyed and probably overly annoyed at certain things. But at the end of the day – Alabama outscored Tennessee 604 to 108. Yes. They gave up 108 total yards and, and yeah. put up 604 at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, three, uh, let's see, how many ball carries do we have with rushes over 10 yards? Uh, it's one, two, three, four, 50? five, six, seven, uh, eight of eight players had carries for over 10 yards. That's impressive. That's 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 not bad. Uh, 272 total rushing yards on only 53 attempts. That's five yards a pop, and you know we've done better than that at times this year. But you got a uh, 332 passing yards, only you know 22 of 33. I'm combining both quarterbacks there. Sure. Um, and even after that, I still agree with what you said earlier, where it was one of Jalen Hurts' more off days. You know, he missed a couple throws. I think the whole offense kind of had a flat it was it was a little it was a little flat i don't even flat. want to say sluggish because it was his first intercept no sorry jalen threw his first interception last week sorry right um but it was our second interception of the season it wasn't horrible and i don't know maybe you and i just wanted to crush tennessee 68 nothing and that's why 45 seems underwhelming to us it, it does a little bit but I, I think we had to take it with a grain of salt like i said you know taking a step back from that game and watching the replay actually while i was sitting in it in uh traffic in atlanta uh, on the way back while Jade was driving. Thank you, Jade. Um, it was, Thank you, Jade. It was a, uh, you know, it, it just, it was not that bad of a performance, honestly. Um, but it, it just was sort of the tail of the tape. And like I said, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. They were tired. The guys were tired and to be expected, you know. Um, you've come off a pretty emotional season so far. Um, you know, nothing really too dramatic or anything after that first game against a Florida State team that is majorly underwhelmed this season. Um, you know, other than that, everything's been pretty smooth sailing, except for a couple of scary minutes in the Texas A&M game. Uh, but it is an emotional season in the fact that, you know, it's a redemption story. Everybody's trying to get back to the national championship. You're trying to do everything right. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking around and Georgia's starting to play pretty well, and Auburn is, you know, still in the top 20. LSU's a top 20 team. Uh, Mississippi State's a top 20 team. You're looking around, and you've got kind of an uphill climb just even getting to the SEC championship game, much less who you got to play when you get there. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, so I, I don't think a bye week could have come at a better time. Um, you know, like I said, I hope we don't see Jalen Hurts play that poorly again. I don't think he will. Damian Harris played great. Uh, 13 carries for 72 yards and a touch. Uh, Bo Scarborough had two touchdowns on basically the same play, um, you know, and that's that's the type of Alabama football I love seeing. Inside the five, pound the ball into the goal line. Um, you know, go for it on fourth and short when it comes to that and score, period. That's how it should be. Um, Calvin Ridley with uh, eight catches for 82 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Henry Ruggs III continuing his streak of scoring only touchdowns when he catches the ball. Uh, he has five receptions and five touchdowns this year. Um, Jerry Judy is a guy that's, you know, I know a guy that we were really excited about coming into this year, especially after watching him in the A-Day game and, uh, you know, seeing practice footage of him as well. Uh, Jerry Judy is Jade's favorite player. She likes his name. 
I, there's not much Can't other than that. I like his route running ability. Um, you know, I, I think he he reminds me of Amari Cooper with the way he runs routes. Uh, just the way he can sort of snap off a quick little break or, you know, pull a head fake that kind of gets a guy going one way so he can just kind of sit in the pocket at the middle of the field and, you know, make the catch and fall down. Um, you know, three catches for 48 yards. A couple of them were just great. Um, Cam Sims, if I'm not mistaken, had a great sideline catch. I didn't think he was going to be able to haul it in. Uh, Jalen threw the ball a little bit too far towards the sideline, but he was able to drag a toe and get it inbounds, um, which was very impressive. So, you know, offensive side of the ball was about what we'd expect when you look at the numbers, but obviously a little sluggish otherwise. Uh, as far as Stevens is concerned, a whole host of guys with tackles, a lot of sacks throughout the day, or I guess uh, four sacks throughout the day. Um, you know, a lot of Levi Wallace with two of them, by the way. Yes. And that's what I was about to say next is a lot of creative blitz packages, which is something I was excited to see. You were, you know, a lot of, uh, stunt sort of blitzes on the, uh, on, on, excuse me, the middle linebacker side. And then you coming around the outside with a safety or a defensive back Levi Wallace sneaking in for a couple of sacks played a whale of a game. Rashawn Evans played a whale of a game as well. Um, had a big sack, uh, sort of, you know, um, leading into halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was kind of the play of the game for me. But, um, you know, good to be back in sweet home. Always great to beat Tennessee. Uh, I don't want to talk about Tennessee anymore. They're garbage, and there's no reason to talk about them. Now, nah, Tennessee's got a, got a longer than a ways to go. But I thought, I thought you would want to take that moment to talk poorly about them. But I can understand why we, you don't want to at this point, because it's like, Taking candy from a baby. Uh, my okay, so I'm gonna hit you with my biggest complaint. I'll see if you agree with me. I think you did during the game. Um, I wasn't too mad at the offensive play calling as a whole. You know, like I mentioned, we ran for uh, 272. We passed for 332. That's a well balanced attack. That'll take those numbers any day of the week. My main problem was our best offensive player might just be Calvin Ridley. Right, It might be, or you got the running backs. But Calvin Ridley is one of our best players, one of the best receivers Alabama's had. Why do we insist on only throwing it to him within three yards of the line of scrimmage? The dude, is a, he's a separation machine. Why don't we try him on longer routes? We didn't start doing it until right before halftime and a little bit after. But, you know, I get it, he's fast. I get it, he knows how to set up blocks when he catches it. But at the same time, he's our best receiver all over the field. So if we're going to throw it, why not commit to trying to hit him with some intermediate routes, even a deep route? I think I think all of it goes back to uh, everybody's confidence in Jalen Hurts. You know, I'm, I'm still not sure that this Alabama coaching staff has enough confidence in Hurts to throw the ball downfield, which is fine if we're able to make the plays. Uh, you know, but at the same time, at some point somebody's going to catch on, and they're going to jump a route, and it's going to be a pick six, and then we're going to be, you know, either down or the game is going to be closer than we would like. Um, so I think you're right. I think, you know, we do have to sort of open up the offense if we want to run through Cal a little bit more. Um, you know, he did run a couple of those eight-yard sort of in routes. Um, you know, they're almost mini sluggos where he kind of fakes like he's going towards the sideline and cuts back across the middle of the field to make an easy catch for eight, nine yards. Um, both of those plays were run on first and second down. But, uh, you know, I, I think, like I said, it goes back to the uh, coaching staff's confidence and Jalen Hurts ability to throw the ball downfield um well his his ball placement on the short throws were absolutely atrocious but I that's that was right. that was my most that was my biggest thing is you know the we thing had is, plays that could have gone for eight yards and went for negative four because of where he put the ball sure the thing is 
that I, I think we need to keep in mind is it's not just a Calvin Ridley thing. I mean, Jalen's not throwing the ball downfield to anyone that's not a tight end. Period. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I just it's not happening. See it more. Yeah, I would love to as well. You know what else I'd like to see more? What's that? Say it with me on three. One, two, three. Run the ball. I know you're going to go there. Run the ball. Just keep running it. Just keep running it. It happened again into the Tennessee game. We pull off three carries in a row of six or more yards and then go three and out passing. Why? Why did we start passing? I just don't I don't understand it. Oh, well, they're stacking the box. Well, Bo Scarborough still just got four yards, so let him stack it. Hell, let him put all 11 in there. I don't care. Till they hit you twice in a row for either a two-yard gain or a loss, keep running it, especially against a team like Tennessee. But I digress. Overall, satisfied with the game. Glad the team got the week off. Hope that Saban had a good birthday and hope that the uh, playoff picture we'll talk about here in a minute uh, serves as some good ammunition and fire going into the next game, which is the LSU Tigers coming to Tuscaloosa. It's the 8 o'clock game, uh, Brick, on CBS. Always a fun one at night. Uh, ESPN currently giving... Uh, Alabama a 93% chance of winning this game. Uh, you know, you look, it's Etling versus Hertz. Etling, 93 for 155. Nine touchdowns and a pick. Then you've got Hertz, 95 of 151. Uh, 1,200, a little over 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns and a pick. So those numbers are pretty comparable. Geis uh, for LSU, obviously a running back threat, a threat in the backfield, but if there's anything that Alabama's done successfully over the past two years, it's shutting down great LSU running backs. Uh, you know, and then you look at uh, DJ Chark uh, from LSU, the receiver, uh, 22 receptions for 535 yards, doesn't have a touchdown in the season. Uh, I think this LSU, I'll, I'll take the LSU team uh, and sort of their breakdown if you take Alabama. How's that? Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Um, I, you know, this is one of my favorite games of the year. I love it when these two teams face off. It just feels even even when the the games aren't as hyped. I just Alabama LSU is my favorite rivalry that Alabama has at least. Um, you know, I don't know why this one's going to be in Tuscaloosa. I love it when the games in Tuscaloosa. I love it. I, I love it when it's in Death Valley as well. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll preface your um your LSU. Uh, I'll let you take them, but I want to ask you a question before we get into them. So, obviously, they lost to Troy at the end of September. Since then, they've rattled off three wins with a bye week as well. Nick Saban, earlier this week, called them the toughest and best team we've played to this point in the season. Um, do you agree with what he says there? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, you'll remember at the beginning of the season, I, I was a little too high on LSU. I was high on them, but I was a little too high. Um, here's why I think that's correct. I, I think... Until DeAndre Francois went out for uh, Florida State, I think they were easily our toughest opponent, period. Um, However, I think LSU now, looking at both of those teams, uh, is a little bit of a better team, a little bit. Now, the thing that's that's been LSU's heroic flaw, if you'll call it that, or whatever you want to call it, their Achilles heel, has been the play of their quarterback, is that their offense is a run-first offense, but the success hinges on the play of the quarterback, 
which is never a good combination. And I don't think Danny Edling's the type of guy you want running that offense if that is your offense. It's just all they have at this point. That's the problem it with is. LSU. Is he's just he's just what they have until they can develop somebody else. Right, right. And that development's taking a little bit longer than I think uh, Ed Orgeron was hoping. Um, however, he does have comparable numbers to Jalen Hurts, who you and I have both agreed has had a pretty ho-hum season. Granted, he's only played half the games. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's had a pretty mundane season, pretty good season where he hasn't forced a lot of balls or made a lot of mistakes. Danny Etling's got similar numbers, you know? So uh, I think for LSU to win this game, he has to make the clutch plays. He doesn't have to make all the plays. He doesn't have to be the star of the game. But the plays that have to be made, he needs to make them. And he needs to get a little bit lucky, too. I think a couple Alabama miscues or a couple bobbled balls or, you know, tip drills come in handy. I think those are the types of plays that are really going to lead LSU to victory if it is going to come to that. I don't see it coming to that. Uh, the point spread right now is 21 and a half uh, in favor of Alabama, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think he, uh, Etling's got to get going early. I think if Etling can get – hello to the cat. I think if Etling can get going early, uh, that opens up the run game for guys to kind of pound the ball up the middle and really try and wear down that Alabama defense, which is going to be a tough task and a tall order after a bye week. I'm with you there. My only problem with this LSU team, or not my only problem, I don't even know why I said that. My big problem, I should say, with this LSU team is just, you know, I just don't, I don't know that their defense is going to, they, they've been soft this year. They've been soft. Now they've been better. They were they, they were better um, second half of the Auburn game. They uh, they played well against an abysmal LSU offense, and, and they've been, they're, they're getting better. Etling is getting better. But the defense that I've seen on the field is not the same LSU defense that I've been watching. And that's been their biggest downturn for me since uh, Orgeron took over. They've been just having trouble on the defensive side of the ball, punching teams in the mouth. They've been soft at times. They've let, they let Auburn do anything they wanted in the first half. And, you know, um, Auburn, I think, shot themselves more in the foot in the second half than LSU came out and really beat them. But I, I just, with Alabama only giving up nine points a game, uh, only given up, you know, 220, 230 yards of offense a game on defense. I just don't know that LSU's going to be able to come in and move the ball against them the way that they're going to need to. Right. I just... Right, I agree. I, I think uh, a lot of this LSU team has been, uh, you know, sort of a letdown for that fan base. I think they, they really thought they had a head full of steam. They're going to put last year in the rear view. The last miles era is over. And it just sort of never really panned out this season. Their saving grace in this game is they've got nothing to lose. They have a mindset right now where they have nothing to lose. They weren't expected to make it to the SEC West Championship. Uh, they're not expected to beat Alabama. There's no pressure there. They just get to go out and have fun and play LSU football. Don't expect. Don't be surprised if this game's a little bit closer than we think, Brick. You know, this is still a top twenty team. This is a team that's only lost one conference game. They're six and two. They've already got a bowl. Uh, you know, I I think it's I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, not only that. I mean, you mentioned the record. If LSU does win, they're in the driver's seat in the West. I mean, they beat Auburn, so they're in the driver's seat in the West. If they went out, they're in the they're in the they're in Atlanta, which is something that I didn't even really consider. Um. And like I, I like I said, I do think LSU's improved uh, from what they were 
early on in the season when they played Syracuse and obviously Troy. Um, the problem that I have with them is I don't know that they've improved enough. And you know that I'm not a big Ed Orgeron fan, and I, I'm not a, I'm definitely not a fan of the way they handled their coaching situation last year and, and the way they almost hung them out to dry at times. Um, I just think Alabama has to play their worst game out of the last three years in order to lose a game like this. Right, right. I agree. I, I think uh, I think this game's uh, going to be handled pretty easily for Alabama. Um, you know, I think Jalen Hurts needs to get back in the rhythm he was in before the Tennessee game of just making the clear, conscious decisions, knowing when to run on read options, knowing when to give the ball and hold it, uh, and just going from there. Alabama needs to establish a good, solid running presence in this game. Uh, wear down that uh, LSU defense. And just kind of go from there. Just kind of see where the game takes you. It doesn't need to be something that's rushed. It doesn't need to be something that's, you know, uh, forced. It's just got to be, you know, sort of going with the flow uh, with a very powerful run game. Uh, you know, and just go from there, like I said. Uh, but I'm going to I'm gonna take Alabama. I, I think it's a little bit more of a low-scoring contest. I'm going to say it's going to be, uh, I'm going to say 31-17. You're actually very close to what I was about to say. Um, I'm gonna get. I was gonna go exactly 31. I was gonna say 13. You know that puts it right, actually right under the the line. Um, so that's me saying it's a little bit closer than the line is. My other problem so far is last year was the was was kind of a recovery toward it, but this game has kind of lacked the emotion that it did uh, in their early 2010s. You know, like last year ended 10 nothing and and it had its moments, but the the two years before that. Um, you know, this, the the rivalry has not been what it was. LSU is going to have to find a way to get themselves up for this game. I I think uh, something we're about to get into is Alabama's going to feel slightly disrespected. LSU needs to find a way for them to feel disrespected as well. Yes, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, LSU's got nothing to lose, and this game's always a challenge. It's a rivalry game as much as uh, the Auburn and Tennessee games are for Alabama. Um, you know, in my opinion. We've always talked about how this game's tough. It was tough last year against a not very good LSU team. I think LSU's uh, about where they were last year at this point. Um, I think the bye week helps both teams, but I think it more favors uh, the Tide. And like I said, I expect about a 14-point victory from Alabama where it looks a little bit closer than it actually was. I think the bye week was huge for us as well. I'm, I'm glad you just mentioned that because you know, Rashawn Evans was a little bit dinged up. We had some dinged-up players. Um, obviously, Deshaun Hand, Josh Jacobs, uh, Saban talking about them a little bit earlier in the week. Josh Jacobs is going to be able to play, um, and Deshaun Hand is at least practicing, um, but th- he's more of a game-time decision. But the fact that he's even getting closer and uh, being able to rest even more during the bye week and having a week off, it's just huge. It's just huge. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Brick, what... Uh... Are are you good with LSU? Yeah, so um, I think we both think that Alabama is going to be in the 30s, and I just think that LSU is going to have problems scoring, and we both had a similar score prediction. We'll have to, you know, maybe revisit that last week. We've been off on some. We've underestimated some games this year. Uh, hopefully we're underestimating again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I know Texas A&M was the game we were most off on, uh, but a lot of that was the uh, safety and then the quick turnaround touchdown uh, when the game was kind of out of reach. 
Uh, well, we're we're pretty far off on on Vanderbilt for being technical. That's about true. It. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, just not really in the way that we thought. Uh, all right, break. Finally, last but not least, is kind of a shorter episode, but it was a bye week. Uh, first college football playoff ranking came out last night. We've said for two years on this podcast before this, uh, and we'll say it again this year. It's not something we really need to be freaked out about. Uh, you know, it's it's way too early in the playoff picture to really take too much into uh, into consideration. And really, the only thing that bothered me about that is something that we'll go into later this week on the national episode with Notre Dame. However, uh, we've got Georgia one, Alabama two, Notre Dame three, and Clemson at number four. Uh, a lot of people up in arms that Georgia is number one and Alabama is number two. Uh, you mentioned it yesterday. I, I didn't agree with you, but I said I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'd be fine with it if it happened. It happened. Uh, you know, I think that SEC championship game is going to be very telling as much as the Big Ten or Big 12 championship games are as well. Uh, but what sort of mentality do you think it's giving Alabama this week going into this weekend seeing that they are saying, okay, well, the committee does not think we're the best team in the country at this point? Well, I said it's the best thing the committee could have done for Alabama. Um, obviously, Alabama's a team that's always thrived on feeling like they've been disrespected. We saw that against Vanderbilt. We saw that time and time again throughout the dynasty. And remember, remember going back to Georgia when Alabama felt disrespected last time they played Georgia in Athens. Um, and so, you know, the team doesn't really – or Nick Saban says he doesn't care, I should say, about the rankings. But at the same time, I think he uses things like this for fuel. I think the players at this point are able to do it themselves. Um, everybody's saying Alabama hasn't played anybody. Everybody's saying that Alabama hasn't proven themselves. And, and this is a team that feels like, hey, we're beating everybody by 35, 40 points. What do we have to do to make you guys think we're, uh, we're the top team? At the same time, I don't disagree with Georgia being number one. They've got a very impressive resume. Uh, what they're doing with a freshman quarterback is crazy. Their defense has been uh, nearly, if not as good as Alabama's and everybody else at the top of the country. Um, they're running game. They're, they're a similarly built team to us uh, that – that maybe has a couple more kinks to work out, but they're going to be a very dangerous team at the end of the season. I think every week they play and keep winning, they get better and better and more dangerous to somebody like Alabama or the playoff, whoever they end up playing. Um, Sure. So as far as Georgia goes, I think, you know, I just think that that's a big deal for the players. You know, they look at this stuff, they're online, they, you know, they have X players read. I see X players retweet things like that. And then I see current players like that tweet, which tells me, hey, players are looking. They're not actually speaking about it on social media, but they see it. Right. Right. I think I think it does serve as motivation, but I also think that they can't get too wild about it. You know, don't read too far into it. Um, you know, it's, it's great to have the motivation and everything, but don't get so obsessed with having that number one spot. Look, you get to the playoff, you can argue that any of those teams in the top four deserve to be the number one seed. And it really doesn't matter. It's not like March Madness where if you're the 16 seed, you're kind of automatically screwed. You know, if you're in the top four, you're in the top four and you got to win two games in the international champion. That's it. It doesn't matter if you're the four seed or the one seed. It doesn't matter. Get in the top four. You know, I think the most interesting thing about this release, other than what I mentioned we're going to go over tomorrow night or later in the week whenever we do this, is the fact that it it is an SEC down year, quote-unquote, and they've got the number one and number two teams. Um, and that sort of is telling, and we've mentioned it in the podcast before, for the SEC championship team, if those teams go undefeated, 
until that point. Uh, you know, barring some sort of blowout or injury or anything like that, I think uh, I think both of those teams have a very serious chance to get in and have a rematch at some point in the playoffs. You're right, and, and it just depends on what happens throughout the rest of the country. I mean, there are some huge games left, and it's hard to look at the whole picture and imagine what will be there at the end of the year, but... You know, if both teams went out and win a close game over each other, it's going to be hard to say that those two aren't at least top four teams. Um, I, I could imagine both of them getting in and a lot of people being up in arms, but a lot has changed over the last two weeks, as we've seen, and a lot will continue to change. I mean, Clemson's lost within the last two weeks, Penn State's lost within the last two weeks, and since then, Oklahoma and Ohio State have now resurrected themselves back into the top six, back into that striking distance, so... A lot will change. A lot's going to happen. You know, you got Bedlam this weekend. Clemson's got to play some big teams. Um, going to be crazy. But that's why we're here to talk about it all. Um, when we come back, uh, I think we're going to record this either tomorrow uh, or maybe a little later. But we're going to come back with uh, what I believe is going to be. We've taken a couple weeks off here with the national stuff, so we got obviously so much to talk about. You had Jim McElwain leaving Florida. Uh, you've got, obviously, the Heisman race, which has taken a weird turn at this point of the season. Obviously, the rankings, who's still contending. we got to seriously sit down talk about Georgia, all that stuff. I think this week will be one of our most comprehensive podcasts we've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, no, we've, we've got a lot to cover. And if, you know, you're a big college football fan, not just Alabama or SEC, uh, sort of specified, you're, you're really going to love this national episode, I think. Um, you know, we're getting into the fun part of the college football season where we're over the September Heisman. Uh, you know, we're over that sort of first initial college football oh, playoff honeymoon ranking. Honeymoon phase is over, baby. Yeah. Honeymoon phase is it's, over. It's game time. It's game time. Boys become men at this point of the year. They do. They do. And, you know, even teams like, oh, you know what? I'm going to save it. We're going to save it for tomorrow. I'm going to save it. I, I really want to go in on Notre Dame tomorrow. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Brick, anything else you want to say as far as this episode is concerned? Year three, episode 18 of Pat's Interference. Uh, this one, I believe, is a wrap. It's going to hit at about 30 minutes here. Nice, sweet, easy. I, it's becoming, I will say that I feel like it's it's getting tougher and tougher to do these Alabama podcasts because as the season goes on, it, the games become less and less. I mean, Tennessee, really? That Tennessee game, there's not as much to break down for it. I will say that LSU is going to be huge. We'll have a lot more to say about LSU. Uh, Mississippi State's another ranked team. Auburn's a ranked team. And then so is Georgia when they get to the, you know, if Alabama makes it to Atlanta. So we're about to play three, possibly four ranked teams. There will be more coming. I promise there will be more breakdowns and more comprehensive stuff. It's just there are no ranked wins on Alabama's schedule right now. And they're beating everybody by 35, 40 points. Uh, at this, it, we can't just... We can only complain about run the ball. Our defense is great so long. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. And that is all I have to say about that. I. I think. I, I think we're done. You know, with with Alabama right now. I think we're going to see a lot more in the coming weeks. Like I said, Auburn, Mississippi State, and LSU all top twenty teams as of right now. Uh, you know, and there's there's a lot of football left to be played. A lot of football left to be played. It should be an exciting season. Brick, our Tuesday tradition, is obviously uh, d- discussing the dog shelter of the week. Uh, today we're going to go out to Greensboro, Brick. We've got the Red Dog Farm, a really cool place. They don't just uh, sponsor dogs or, or take in dogs. Horses, cats, uh, there's some parakeets. Uh, you know, they've got exotic animals, farm animals, 
uh, many horses, anything you could ever imagine they've got, and they've got a big old plot of land uh, for all these animals. They take really great care of them. Um, you've got a ton of volunteer opportunities on their website, which is regdogfarm.com. Again, that's regdogfarm.com. If you're interested in volunteering or doing anything like that, applications are online. They encourage children to volunteer as well because they think it's important to give children that sort of uh, experience. Um, their phone number is 336-288-7006. Again, that's 336-288-7006. Uh, they've got a lot of really cool events too. They've got one that they call, uh, I think it's called like uh, Whiskey for Whiskers, uh, which is like a little whiskey bar that everybody goes to and all the you know funds and everything go from there uh, to the uh, shelter. And then they've got, you know, dogs on the catwalk, which is like a fun little dog costume party thing. They've got a bunch of different things you can do. Looks like a really great place. Again, that's reddogfarm.com, the Red Dog Shelter in Greensboro. However, You if, had me at Whiskey for Whiskers, by the way. Right, right. If you are interested, however, in, in looking at uh, some more Pat's interference, you think these two handsome gentlemen could give you, uh, well, one of them. Brick's on TV. I'm behind the camera. So let's just call it what it is. Uh, <laughs> that's... If you're if you're interested in seeing us a little bit more, you can go to patsinterference.com. You can check us out on Facebook. That's P-A-T apostrophe S interference on Facebook or P-I underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can also listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon Play, Google Play, and iTunes. Please feel free to give us an iTunes review. We're really trying to grow the brand this year. Uh, and the more people who leave us that little uh, little iTunes review, uh, the higher up in the charts we climb and the more listeners we get, potentially. Uh, so we'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. We couldn't do this without you. Rick, we've always wanted to do this. It's nice to finally be able to sit down and do it, even if it is at 1 in the morning on a quiet Thursday evening in, or, well, I guess Thursday morning in November. Best time to do it, baby. That's it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And most importantly, Brick, roll tight. Roll tight.